you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Today we are continuing our series entitled The Blessed Life. And just as we were worshiping, I was, I was just thinking about that title. Isn't it amazing that that is even a topic that we can talk about? That there is such a thing as the blessed life that God wants us to experience. And yet there are some things that try to get in the way and hinder that. And so I'm thankful for uh, Andy who spoke and talked about breaking the spirit of mammon. Uh, There are things that get in the way of us experiencing the blessed life like materialism. How many of us appreciate Andy's message? (laughs) Thank you, Andy. You know, God's word is true and sets free and brings blessing. But there are things in our life that would hinder that. And God wants to remove those so that the word is free for us to be single-minded and to walk in the truth of what God has, the truth that brings freedom. Amen? So we're going to talk about some of those today. And uh, as we, we get underway, I'd like to ask us just to pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you that your word brings life. God, thank you for this amazing gift of life that you've given us. Lord, thank you for making it eternal. Thank you that this life is in your son. And God, we give you the honor today. And God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, our counselor, and that you would speak to our hearts and reveal to us the truth that sets free. And Lord, if there's anything that stands in the way, would you also shine light on that? Lord, and help us to bring that into the light and bring it to the cross where you bring it to death and raise us again in newness of life to walk and live a life that is of you. So God, would you make that transaction come to pass? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of today's message uh, comes from something that perhaps you had said when you were in school or maybe you had heard. Um, I know I had said this on some occasions, and that is, what test? Can any of you relate to that? You ever walk into class and everybody's got their books open and they're studying, and your friend turns to you and says, are you ready for the test? And you say, what test? What test? (laughs) I didn't do too well in school, Um, but I I did graduate in the top 10% of the lower two-thirds of my graduating class, so I'm I'm proud that I was able to accomplish that. (laughs) So the title of this message today is What Test? And the reason for this title is that many Christians don't know that there is a test in the Bible. There is a test in the Bible. And you take this test every time you get paid. And so what I'd like to do is just do a little survey real quick. And if you would respond just by a show of hands, how many of you get paid once a month? Raise your hands. Okay, a few. How many of you get paid uh, twice a month or every two weeks? Raise your hand. Okay, that's most of us. How many of you get paid once a week? A few. How many of you never get paid? (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry, (laughs) but uh, if you ever get paid, you will take a test. And the test is this. 
You take that test by what you do with the, with the first 10% of your income. By that first 10%, um, it indicates who are you thanking for your income? Or who do you honor for your income? For some people, it's Visa. That's the first one they pay. The problem is, Visa does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. Would you like God to bless your finances? Every day. Yeah, make sure that you pass the test. You know, the purpose of testing, let me just say a word about testing. The purpose of testing is to prove competency. You know, when you take a driver's test, the whole purpose of the test is to show that you can drive. When you tithe, it shows that you trust God. It shows that you're operating in faith. It shows that you honor God and that he's first in your life. You know, God's not wanting us to fail. Um, He's not. Um, He told us what to do. It's an open book test. And he wants us to pass the test. You know, when you get your teaching degree, you take tests to show that you can teach. And it's the same if you're going to be a nurse or a doctor or an architect. I mean, aren't you glad that when you travel that your pilot took a test and that he passed the test? Testing is not a bad thing. Testing is a good thing. And tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. It demonstrates who's first in your life. And remember, it also demonstrates living by faith. Remember, as we said a couple weeks ago, it's not the 10% that enacts the blessing. It's the faith that enacts the blessing. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. Malachi 3, 6. That's the last book in the Old Testament. Now, in order to pass the test, there's something you need to know. And today's message is very simple. I want to show you that tithing is scriptural, that tithing is in the Bible. Now, most of you already know, we can go back to the previous slide. Uh, Thank you. Most of us know tithing is biblical, but not all of you know that tithing will directly and profoundly influence the quality of your life. Tithing will directly and profoundly influence the quality of your life. Let's read about it in Malachi chapter 3. Now, as we read this passage, I want you to count how many times it specifically tells us who is speaking. So beginning in verse 6, for I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. That's very important to keep in mind as we talk about the blessed life and tithing. He goes on to say, therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Now, that's a little humorous there because in some translations of the Bible, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not destroyed. In other words, God's saying, I don't change because I was nice and I'm still nice. That's why you're not destroyed. Now, why would God say that? Verse 7, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. 
But you say, how shall we return? Now notice who's speaking next, because this next phrase is not something that a preacher made up. This next phrase is God speaking, and remember, he's the God who cannot change. And he speaks very strongly, and he says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. Verse 9, You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, a reference to the church, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Wow. Verse 11. Why will there be blessing? I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. How many times in this passage does it say, says the Lord of hosts? Four times. This is God speaking. This is God talking, the God who can't change. That's important to keep in mind. God says, you've gone away from my statutes, and as a result, you're under a curse. On the other hand, the blessing that comes from tithing as we honor God is a universal law that never changes. The blessing that comes from God as we honor him is a universal law that never changes. It's like a physical law of the universe. It applies to everyone, and it never changes. And God says to the nation of Israel, because you violated my law, you're under a curse. Now, some Christians think that they can't be under a curse because Christ bore the curse of the law on the cross. And this is true. Christ took the punishment for us on the cross. But we need to make a fine line distinction between punishment and consequence. There's a a difference between punishment and consequence. Yes, God forgives sin. But the consequence of our sin may still remain. For example, let's say a, a woman is addicted to cocaine and she has a baby. And as a result, the development of the baby is affected, the baby's born, and grows with some developmental problems. Now, the development of the baby is not a punishment for the mother's sin. The development of the child is a consequence of the mother's sin. See, God forgives the mother for her addiction, but that doesn't mean that the consequences automatically disappear. And so, in the same way, There is a cause and effect depending on how we handle our finances. Whether or not we put God first in our life, by the way, which includes our finances, will determine whether or not we experience his blessing. Now, some Christians think that tithing is not that important because it's in the Old Testament. It's um, in the Old Testament, and we're no longer under law, but we're under grace. And it's true, we are saved by grace. We are saved by God's undeserved favor. Make no mistake, salvation is Jesus Christ plus nothing. But what is the reasoning if a person says, I don't need to tithe because that's Old Testament? Does this mean 
that we can ignore Old Testament law because of grace? Does that mean that we can do whatever we want without consequence? You know, let me remind you that Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. He said, I came to do it. Now, there are many Old Testament laws that apply today. Uh, For example, thou shalt not steal still applies today. Uh, Let me illustrate. Um, Van, uh, would you mind giving me your wallet? Thank you. (laughs) Now, see, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep this because I'm a Christian and I'm under grace and all that stuff for the Old Testament, those commandments, that was under the law and that doesn't apply anymore. And so I'm just going to keep this because I want to. What kind of credit card is this? Now, tell me, is that foolish? Yes, it'd be crazy to think that I could do whatever I want just because it was in the Old Testament. I'll give this back to you. (laughs) No, it's crazy to think that uh, we could just do anything we want and say, well, you know, that was Old Testament. That doesn't apply today. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery still applies today. Uh, We don't think that we can just do that and get away with it without consequence, like it's not going to affect any of our relationships. Thou shalt not murder still applies today. Tithing still applies today. The law of tithing and receiving the blessing, or you could say it in reverse, the law of not tithing and not experiencing the blessing still applies today. So, That's the first point. Tithing is biblical. Or maybe I should say it this way. Tithing is still for today. And if you're still not sure, let me ask you this question. If Jesus himself said you ought to tithe, would you do it? Okay, I'm going to ask these people over here. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Let me ask everybody. If Jesus himself said you ought to tithe, would you do it? If it was in the New Testament, in red, would you do it? Would you like to see the verse? We'll take a look at Matthew 23, verse 23. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites, for you tithe, there it is, tithe, 10%. You tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, which are justice and mercy and faithfulness. Now watch carefully. Jesus says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the other. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He says, you guys tithe off the first of your first fruits. In fact, not only do you tithe off your first fruits, you even tithe on the spices or the seasonings that you put on your food. And these guys are like perfect. He says, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. He said, you ought to have done that without neglecting the other. So two things Jesus is talking about. He's talking about tithing, and he's talking about justice, mercy, and faith, and he says, you ought to have done that, you ought to have tithed, but you should not have neglected this. 
Now, sometimes some people have read this backward. They've said, these you ought to have done. Maybe Jesus was referring to justice, mercy, and faith. But you know what? Even if you read it that way, the rest of the verse, the rest of the verse says, without neglecting the other. Either way, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you ought to tithe. And so there it is in the New Testament, Jesus himself is saying that tithing is biblical and tithing is for today. The second point is this, tithing is a blessing. And let's go back to verse 10 in that same passage of Malachi chapter 3. God says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You know, Terry and I have been tithing since we were discipled as young Christians. And it has been an amazing journey to see God's provision over the years. And you know, there's been something just recently that's been impressed on my heart. And it usually happens when I'm driving home. And I'll get on the phone and I'll give her a call. I'll say, hey, I'm heading home. Is there anything we need, like at Kmart or Payless or something like that? And she'll say, no, there's nothing we need. I go, okay, see you soon. Click. And that's been happening over and over. And just recently, just like the Spirit of God's been impressing me, what a blessing to be able to say that. There's nothing else that we need. We have cars. We have a home. It's not a big home, but it's a very nice home. And we are blessed. And such, it's amazing. You know, just this morning, I was walking in the back of the church, and uh, one, of the, one of the brothers back here, he came up to me. He just wanted to stop me real quick. He said, hey, just want you to know, since you've been on this series about the blessed life, my buddy and I, we decided to start tithing, and just this week, we both got jobs. You know, there are basically two categories of testimonies when it comes to tithing. One category is those who tithe. And you will hear this testimony consistently when you talk to tithers. Tithers will say, you know what? We are so blessed. Ever since we began to do it God's way, it has just been a blessing. God is so good. The other category that you'll hear is people who don't tithe. And they're not bad people. They're not rebellious people. They're just mathematical people. And they will say, you know what? I'm sorry, but I, I, I just can't afford to tithe. I just, I just can't afford it. Now listen to me. You will never be able to afford tithing until you begin tithing. Because until you do, you're under a curse. When you begin tithing, the Lord himself will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. You cannot put a calculator to this. You cannot put a calculator to it. If you don't honor God with the first of your first fruits, you have no protection from the devourer. As soon as you think you're getting ahead, something else will break. It'll be a water line. It'll be your car. It could be your phone. It could be your shoes. It'll be something. You know, in science, they call it the second law of thermodynamics. 
That's a big word for a physical law which says if something is left to itself, it will tend to go from order to disorder. That's a scientific way of trying to explain why things break down. But when you honor God with your tithe, he rebukes the devourer on your behalf and things in your life will come into order. You know, the example I like is the people of Israel in the desert. They were wandering in the desert for 40 years. And they were learning a lesson. They were learning how to trust God. And God said, I want you to take a day off during the week. Now, keep in mind, these guys had been slaves for hundreds of years. They're like, day off? What are you talking about? How am I going to feed my family if I take a day off, if I'm not working 24-7? Does that, does that sound familiar? It's nothing new. They were experiencing it then. God said, don't worry, trust me, I'll take care of it. You can read about the details in the book of Exodus. But I'll just share with you one example. There were many things that God did to provide for them as they learned to trust him. Remember, it was a matter of the heart. They were learning to trust him. And just just one thing is interesting. It says they wandered in the desert for 40 years and their shoes did not wear out. They didn't have Nike. They didn't have Asics. I don't know what kind of shoes those were, but that was an amazing shoe. (laughs) Do you want the blessing of God? He says, test me in this. Bring the whole tithe and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. The third point is this. Tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. It's a test of your heart. And nothing will test your heart more than money. One of the most common fears that people experience is the fear that their needs will not be met. And the reason tithing is a test is because it reveals if you're living in fear or living in faith. Romans 14.23 says, Whatever is not from faith is sin. This is a huge test. And so why did God choose 10% as a test? Well, for one, a percentage is fair to everybody. It's the same for everyone. doesn't matter if you make $30,000 a year or $300,000 a year. It's a penny on every dime. It's fair for everyone. It's the same for everyone. But why did God choose 10%? Well, for some reason, whenever you read the number 10 in the Bible, it's usually associated with testing. It represents testing. You will actually see the word testing with it, with the number 10, when you read some of these passages in the Bible. So, for instance, uh, let's just take a little test. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I'd like you to answer out loud. Okay? How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. Okay, now, I could have said, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Because that's actually what he did, but we're more familiar with the ten plagues. Here's another question. How many commandments are there in the Bible? Did you know that each one of those commandments are a test of your relationships? The first five test your relationship with God. The second five test your relationships with people. Now, this next question, you may not know the answer, but I'll just give you a little hint. There's a pattern here, okay? (laughs) How many times did Daniel say to the guard, test us for how many days by not eating the king's rich food? 
How many lepers were healed to test how many would give thanks? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many disciples were there? No, there was 12. I'm just teasing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> tithing is a test. And you may not know this, but tithing is a two-way test. It's the only place in Scripture that I know of where God also says, test me. Also, test me in this. And once you do, see if I will not pour out a blessing until there is no more need. And the reason God says test me is because he wants to bless you. He doesn't want us to be under a curse. He wants to open the windows of heaven. He wants to rebuke the devourer from your life. But it depends. It depends on whether or not you pass the test. Whether or not we pass the test of putting him first in our life. Whether or not we pass the test of worshiping him with our finances. Whether or not we pass the test of giving him thanks with the first 10% of our income. Whether or not we honor him with the first of our increase. Tithing is a test. I'd like to close with uh, this illustration. I'd like to ask, uh, is James King here? I'd like to ask James to stand and Josh and Rowell. Okay? And so I'm going to go away on a long trip, and I've made provision for my wife, and I want to provide some additional funds for Terry. And so I've made some special arrangements with these three men to provide some additional funds for her while I'm gone on this trip. And so what I'm going to do for you three men is I'm going to give each of you $10,000 a month automatic deposit into your account. Okay? James, don't get too excited. It's just an illustration. (laughs) Okay, now what I'd like you to do is on the first of every month, I'd like you to give 10% of it to my wife. Okay, so I talk to these men. We set it up. We agree. They're going to give 10% to my wife. I go on my trip. Every week, I'm talking to Terry on FaceTime. We're talking about the trip, how things are going, how are the kids, how's life, how's the church. And uh, after a couple months, I remember about these additional funds that I had set up through these men. And I say to Terry, oh, by the way, how's it going with the additional funds from those three guys? And she says, well, well James is doing really well. She says, you know, every month... <laughs> Every month, on the first of the month, he's like clockwork. He puts $1,000 into my account, just like clockwork. So James, very good. And then I say, well, uh, how about Josh? I said, well, interesting, Josh. Um, I don't know. Josh is depositing $2,000 every month. I said, 2000 I said, why is he? I only asked him for 1000 Why is he depositing 2000 She goes, I don't know. I'm like, hmm, okay. Uh, well, what about Roel? She says, well, Roel, we need to talk about Roel. <laughs> I said, well, what's up with Roel? She said, well, in the first month, he deposited 700 In the second month, he deposited 400 And this last month, he didn't deposit anything. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. How do you think that makes me feel? I'm giving these guys $10,000 a month. And all I'm asking them is for 10% to give to my wife. You can keep the 90%. Just give 10% to my wife. What do you think I'm going to do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. (laughs) I'm not. I'll tell you what I'm not going to (laughs) do. I'm not going to give Roel any more money because he's already proven that he can't be trusted. 
What I'm going to do is I'm going to take that money and I'm going to give it to Josh and to James because they have proven that they can be trusted. Okay, man, you may be seated. (laughs) So here's the moral of the story. Jesus said, I'm going away on a trip. And I'm going to give you everything that you need. But I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to take 10% of what I give you and I want you to give it to my wife. Now, to be clear, let me ask this question. Is the church the bride of Christ? Here's something maybe you haven't thought of. Tithing may be a little more personal to Jesus than you thought. He's asking for his wife. And if you don't think that he would take away the money from a well and give it to Josh and James, just read the parable of the talents. And how the master responded to the servants depending on how they handled their finances. Tithing is a test. Tithing is biblical. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a test. Amen? Let's pray. I'd like to ask the worship team to come on up. Father God, We come before you here today. And Lord, it's an amazing thought that there can even be a blessed life to be had. Father, thank you that you didn't leave us in the dark to try and figure it out all by ourselves. But you've given us your book. And Lord, you've made your directions clear. And Father, I pray that you would work in each one of our hearts to receive your word and allow it to be alive and that your word would multiply through us. And Lord, not just that we would be blessed, but that many people, our friends, our family, our relatives, would also be blessed as we share the good news of your kingdom and life as you intended. God, we ask that you would make it real in us, Lord, that our lives would be a testimony of your goodness and the blessed life.